0: I, I, th- this is only a week after the last episode. I don't have any news.
1: <laughs> we should sync before we forget.
0: <laughs> okay. One. Two. Three.
1: Four. Five. Six. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any updates either.
0: So, s- starbits, huh? S- starbits? <laughs> I don't know. I don't It's just that one screen cap of Mario Galaxy and it's Luma. It's going, so, bits, huh? <laughs> and it's just, it's just fun. I don't know. I have no, ad- no bits. This is No Bits Sunday.
1: <laughs> I mean, we'll probably have some bits in the episode proper. <laughs> this is the
0: No Bits episode of Glee.
1: <laughs> Here's a fun update for me. I have been playing Breath of the Wild because I'm in a desperate sprint to finish it before Tears of the Kingdom comes out in less than a month. <laughs> nice. I have like two weeks at this point, but I finished the... I finished the Terrytown side quest yesterday. It's so cute. Did you did you do that Tanner?
0: I don't play Zelda games. Mm. They've just okay. they've never picked okay, I'm not like I have tried to play Legends of Zelda's before. Mm-hmm. It's just almost none of them have ever piqued my interest. Like I I enjoyed Phantom Hourglass and I enjoyed Spirit Tracks. And mm-hmm. and the Link's Awakening remake looks good artistically. But, like, yeah. in general, I've never really vibed with them. Like, I I tried playing Majora's Masks and I didn't like that. I tried playing Ocarina of Time, and I didn't like it. So I just never mm-hmm. bothered with Breath of the Wild, and I'm not gonna worry about Tears of the Kingdom. I feel like all the enjoyment I'll get out of those, I'll get just as much by just watching other people enjoy them.
1: Fair. Can I explain the Terrytown side quest to you? Tell me
0: about Terry and his town!
1: <laughs> so... The whole point of it is that, like, you know, Breath of the Wild, it's post-apocalyptic high rule, and pretty much all the communities that are still existing are ones that have been existing since before the apocalypse happened. Yeah. But Terrytown is, like, the first new settlement in the hundred years since the apocalypse happened. And, like, little okay. by little, bit by bit, you're able to help build it up because, like... It's this construction company, and they're like, we want to make a town out in the wilderness, literally on a rocky outcrop above <laughs> above a sea of guardians that are still active, but it's fine. <laughs> but you build this town up bit by bit, like you're literally giving them materials they need to build houses with, and you get to go around and talk to people and say, hey, do you want to start a new life in this new little town? That's out in the wilderness above a sea of active guardians. And they say, hell yeah, I do. And it's just so cute. Because, like, they... As you build the town up, like, they incorporate different instruments and motifs from the different cultures that are coming together to build this town. And at the end of it, you get to have... You get to see a wedding ceremony. Like, people get married. And at the end, they're, like... They include the whole town in their wedding vows. Because it's, like... The whole thing is, like, you have a naming scheme, and so basically the whole town is like, we will uphold this naming scheme with all of our kids that we are gonna have. And it's just, it's so cute and so happy, and I was like, wow, this breath really is wild, huh?
0: (laughs) They weren't lying, that breath do be wild.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. I would play Legend of Zelda, like, The Sims. (laughs) (laughs) Like, hey, you're going to build all these cool settlements after the apocalypse is over. And you you get to, like, work with different groups of people and make, I don't know, make houses so that the Zora can live by the water. Make houses that are strong enough to withstand a Goron. And I just really love it.
0: Well, I'm happy for you.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. That's going to be with our bonus content this season. <laughs>
0: That would that would be a fun bonus contact actually put put a put a glee in a, in a Zelda.
1: <laughs> yeah Rachel is the one who immediately falls to evil.
0: <laughs> Calamity Rachel. <laughs> Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff this show, Tanner and Christina gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening, to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. And welcome to "Loser Like Me," a Glee recap and review podcast. I'm Christina, and, and I love heartwarming
1: things. My name is Tanner, and Rachel Berry is a pain in the ass.
0: No, see that doesn't work because Christina, you just say that normally all the time, anyways.
1: <laughs> well, you do
0: too. Yeah, but you have to you you have to do comical exaggeration. You have to be like, ah, "I'm Tanner, and I'm gonna hunt Rachel Berry for sport."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hi, my name is Tanner. And I really like Magic the Gathering.
0: That's actually a terrible time to say that because I just got out out of (laughs) the- Christina, did I not tell you that I'm currently boycotting it because of the fucking Pinkertons?
1: I didn't know you were boycotting it. Tainer, you literally- (laughs)
0: I'm boycotting primary purchases of Magic the Gathering. I'm still not sure if I want to play with the secondary market or no because there's so many things involved. Fortunately, you can uh, can enjoy basically all aspects of Magic the Gathering without giving wizards a cent. So it's a lot like Dungeons and Dragons (laughs) that way. Except it's also a good game. (laughs) Anyways, as we said before, this is No Bid Sunday on account of the fact that I have four pages of notes for this episode.
1: Oh my god. I was notes light on this episode, mostly because I was like, I'm gonna watch it and try not to pause. (laughs) You were like,
0: this is a vibes only episode of Glee. And I was like, this requires an essay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot of notes planned to like... Hey, let's talk about XYZ, and I just didn't write it down ahead of time. Okay,
0: that's fair. And also, I think I just copied down a lot of dialogue, too, so. Because there was a lot of- there was a good amount of good dialogue. Not all the dialogue was good, but there was a good amount of dialogue that was good. And there's also dialogue that I just needed to repeat.
1: Yes, that's Glee.
0: (laughs) This is episode 20 of season 3. It's called Props, and Mm -hmm. it aired on May 15th, 2012. It mm-hmm. was written and directed by Ian Brennan. This is Ian's directorial debut. He's only written things so far.
1: Congrats, I think.
0: <laughs> I mean, I think the directing was good. Yeah. The writing, hmm. The writing, I feel, is just, um...
1: Bog-standard Glee.
0: Yeah, it's like, it's not new problems, so <laughs> I'm not gonna mm-hmm. blame him for them. Because it's like, mm-hmm. you're you're kind of working within the Glee oeuvre The original sin has already been committed You're just perpetuating it
1: That's Catholicism, baby
0: (laughs) Finally! Glee has become Catholic (laughs) Anyway So, previously on Glee This is, oh, fun Glee trivia This is the longest previously on segment of any episode Because they have to explain to you how much they've neglected Tina
1: Yeah (laughs) It's... I, literally, I just wrote down, wow, the recap thinks Tina is underappreciated, just like us. Because <laughs> <laughs> isn't Ian the one who does the the recap bit?
0: I believe he is. I'm double checking that right now.
1: Because he's just like, wow, I, like, did you know that Tina Cohen Chang is a character on Glee and that she hasn't had a solo in 25 episodes?
0: <laughs> yes, Ian Brennan does do the recap.
1: And this is her only solo in the season? <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit too little too late for me, personally. Because we've loved Tina since the start.
0: Yes, but it, it's, it's one of those things where it's dependent on how she is treated going forward. And how she's treated going forward is... Nah. Uh, she gets... I'll, t- I'll give you this. She does get to sing a lot more.
1: <laughs> Great. I do love that, genuinely. hmm hmm But yeah, that's basically the entire recap.
0: <laughs> yes. It opens with Sue blaming Kurt and Mercedes and the liberal media in general for causing Unique to become a show choir celebrity. Mm-hmm. She's on the cover of a magazine, I don't know, mm-hmm. Teen Soccer Quarterly, and <laughs> Sue declares that the only option they have left is to fight fire with the flaming flames of additional flaming gay fire, by which she means, Kurt, it is time for you to create a Zona.
1: Yeah, and Kurt is like, just because I'm gay doesn't mean that I am interested in performing drag. And Sue's like, too bad! I need you to win so that I can get my Cheerios back from Coach Roz Washington not appearing in this episode.
0: Yeah, well, she's here in spirit.
1: (laughs) She is here in spirit.
0: And also Mercedes points out that Kurt did dress in drag for Halloween, and we got a flashback to Halloween, where it's Kurt and Blaine dressed respectively as Snooky and the situation.
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and they're trick-or-treating, which, like, I don't know about you, Tanner, but in my neighborhood growing up, you kind of stopped trick-or-treating at, like, maybe, like, 12, 13?
0: I fully approve of teens trick-or-treating as long as they are in costume.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or if you're, like, with a younger sibling or, like, a neighbor or something like that.
0: Yeah. No, but I'm like, L- let just let teens trick-or-treat. I don't know why people get so up in arms about this. In some neighborhoods in the States, literally up in arms. Yeah. So, no, just let the teens trick or treat and calm down. I mean, I know you're not you, Christina, but you was in the if you're, if you're somehow a listener who really hates it when t- teens trick or treat, you got it to take about 20% off there. Like, they're kids, they're kids in costume and they want candy. What is the great sin?
1: Exactly.
0: But that's neither here nor there. The point is we get to hear Blaine go, Hey, what's the guy gotta do to get the candy situation up in here? That was not a. I don't know what voice that was. I sounded like Bobby Duke. <laughs>
1: I never watched Jersey Shore, so I can't do an impression because I have...
0: I also never watched Jersey Shore.
1: It's kind of like, hey, can I get a candy situation up in here?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I can. You were a lot closer (laughs) to
1: that. It's just a little bit south of bada-bing, bada-boom.
0: Yeah, yes, exactly. Oh, literally, because, wait, Mm -hmm, New Jersey mm -hmm. is south of New York, right? Southwest. Okay. Hey, (laughs) geography.
1: Congratulations. You did geography for a country you don't that you don't live in.
0: <laughs> Most countries I don't live in.
1: <laughs> well yeah, but
0: Um yeah, no, my only exposure to Jersey Shore is the video was on Dancing with the Stars and Snooki. I saw the clip of Snooki on Supernatural, and also when it first started, there were some Saturday Night Live sketches about the situation, who showed up whenever someone we can update mentioned a situation. <laughs> and then there was a joke where his mom showed up whenever because his mom was the predicament. <laughs> But that was that was an SNL exclusive. I don't think the real life situations, real life mom, is really called the predicament. That'd be so wild. that would be funny. Anyways,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Kurt, if you want to beat vocal adrenaline, it's tucking time.
1: Oh boy. <laughs> anyway, we then cut to Rachel journaling, and she writes, "Nia is my destiny" in her journal. Yeah. And then we just <laughs> we just kind of like weekly seg into her singing "I Won't Give Up" by Jason Mraz.
0: Which is, this is already a pretty stripped down song, just like the the bass song, and she managed to strip it down even further.
1: Yeah, it's down to the studs on this one.
0: This is a Public Indecency cover of Jason Mraz, and...
1: <laughs> like, here's the thing. It is a passing grade performance. And I, in listening to it and thinking about the song, I was like, this could be a good Nationals number if they made it into an ensemble member. But nope. It's just Rachel being moody.
0: I think the song is boring, and this is Toto tip just Leah Michelle saying,
1: I want a song. I need a solo. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then she leaves her 14th message on mm-hmm. Egot Got Winner, Whoopi Goldberg's asthma scene. And she's like, hey, sorry for leaving 14 messages on your answering machine and also send you muffin baskets and invitations <laughs> to see us perform in Chicago. I just really need you to see me win MVP and also uh, prove to you that my audition was not a fluke."
1: If I win MVP, will you love me? You got winner Whoopi Goldberg. Desperation is not a good look on Rachel.
0: Anyways, n- nationals. Remember, mm-hmm. remember, the set list needs to be at least 60% vintage.
1: <laughs> the wild thing to me is that... They're coming up with the set list for nationals th- more than three hours in advance.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like two days.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And Will decides that the set list is going to be Paradise by the Dashboard Light, and then the Troubletones Tones are going to do What a Feeling. Or excuse me, Flashdance, uh, hyphen, What a Feeling.
0: <laughs> yes, and then all Rachel will get to sing It's All Coming Back to Me Now by Celine.
1: Mm-hmm. And... Then Sue announces that since they're going to be performing music from Flashdance, that they are going to introduce prop comedy, and so she hands out welding masks and leg warmers, <laughs> and she says, "Prop comedy and drag always win," and it's yes. like, mm, mm.
0: I think Jake's monsoon has proved that.
1: I thought you said Jake's monsoon is in our friend Jake, and I was like, "What?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's 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 when jake becomes jinx's drag daughter
1: <laughs> anyway there's a part in there where everyone is like hey mr she props are stupid then will's like well i asked for sue sylvester's help on this and like you factually did not sir i mean he's saying
0: in general sue is in general help been helping the glee club for the past several arc of an episodes
1: i that's a generous expression but it's fine <laughs>
0: He's like, Sue's won nationals and we have not, so we have to listen to her. Which doesn't make sense, because Sue won nationals with cheerleading.
1: Mm -hmm. They are not the same.
0: It's kind of like saying Michael Phelps is an Olympic gold medalist, so he can direct an Oscar winning movie. (laughs) Also also there's a part where Sam is wearing the welding mask and he's like, I am your Vader. <laughs> oh, I am your father. Yeah, that's Darth Vader. And then he he says that to Joe and Joe is like, Is that film?
1: Oh Joe, sweetheart.
0: Because remember, Joe's been living in a Christian commune or something.
1: <laughs> he's been living under the rock of Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, Jesus did have a famous rock that he was under for three days.
1: No, he was behind the rock.
0: <laughs> he was behind the rock. Anyways <laughs> Will says, all right, guys, anyone who's not ready to batten down the hatchets and, and work your butts off, get up now and just leave. So Tina peaces out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And everyone is like, Tina, where are you going? And she's like, Tanner, did you write down what she says? Cause I didn't write it down. I just wrote down, go off, Tina.
0: <laughs> yeah. I just, I paraphrased. She says that you don't really need me. So just carry on without me. And then she talks about how she never gets a solo and Rachel always gets the solo and Rachel's like, we can't just be handing out solos, like, to everyone. And uh, Rory says, this is Rory, watch. I wouldn't mind a solo before I get deported. And then Sugar's like, I would also want a solo, even though I can't sing.
1: Oh, Sugar, honey.
0: And then Mike, Mike, the that bastard. Tina's
1: boyfriend? Tina's own
0: boyfriend, Michael Chang, who, remember how he was so happy that this was the year of Mike? And this now, is supposed
1: to be the year of Mike.
0: It was the year of Mike, but Mike is refusing to let it be the week even of, of Tina because he's like, "Tina, uh, this performance is about the seniors." And Tina's like, "Yes, yeah, so you're not even gonna sing. You're just gonna get a dance break with Brittany."
1: And he's like, "Oh, I didn't even think about that."
0: And then Will is like, "But Tina, you have an important role. I put you in charge of the costumes," and Tina truly does not give a shit about that, and mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. just fucking dances. and then we we basically just follow her I don't know if there was a commercial or not but we follow her outside Mike has followed her and he's like Tina I'm really disappointed in you why do you have to be so selfish this is the senior's time to shine which is like Tina's kind of speechless because you know who's been selfish for three years
1: (laughs) (laughs) speak of her and she shall appear yeah Rachel ends up uh, showing up to Tina after Mike and she literally says, "Do you know how difficult it is to be me?"
0: Oh no! I this part I did write down in ah. almost in full. So,
1: take it away, Tina.
0: Do you actually here? Do you want to do you want to be Rachel or Tina?
1: I mean Tina. Okay. <laughs> Look, as as Christina, I have to support Tina.
0: I'm pacing something. I just want to make sure that it's legible. Obviously, cut this dead air.
1: <laughs> no, Emily, leave the dead air. Make this podcast unlistenable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Before before the stuff that I pasted for you, Christina, Rachel Mm -hmm. is like, I'm sympathetic to your cause, even though I have no idea why you picked now to get mad, but I hear you. So here's 50 bucks for you to let this all go until after Nationals. And then she tells Tina that everyone needs to do their part. And Tina
1: says, Their part to make you look good. I have sat for three years in the back of that choir room, holding Mike's hand or crying or smiling or swaying while everyone else was up there singing solos. Maybe I say something. Most of the time I don't. Team player all the way. I am tired of being silent. I am one of the original Glee Club members, and I was singing Sit Down, You're Rockin' the Boat when Finn and Puck were still throwing slushies at us. So when is it my turn?
0: (laughs) Do you have any idea how difficult it is to be me? Do you have a Facebook account or a Twitter account? Yes. Regrettably. Do you have time to watch Bravo or read a book or buy laces for your incredibly high comic book boots? Okay, I don't. It's exhausting being me. I get up at five in the morning just to get all of this prepared in case a solo is thrown my way. I have the entire Sondheim, Hamlish, Lloyd Webber, and Elton John songbooks memorized, including every single Katy Perry hit as well. And I do all of this while keeping my boyfriend interested and physically satisfied and being captain of 16 clubs and keeping a 3.86 GPA. I could do all that. And you will next year. You'll have your chance next year.
1: All I want is for one moment to feel like you. Be up on that stage and get one of the standing ovations you're so used to getting.
0: And then she storms off again. And it's like, mm-hmm. yes, go off, Tina.
1: I wrote body slam her, Tina. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wish it'd be a very different episode.
1: Yeah. And then we cut to Tina running errands through the mall and she comes across Blaine and Kurt, who are hanging out in the one dollar massage chairs.
0: <laughs> Blaine is also agreeing with Kurt that, like, yeah, d- just because you're gay you doesn't mean you should dress in drag. Like, this is this is the th- another through line. This is a full subplot through the whole mm-hmm. episode.
1: Yeah, and they see Tina, and Tina's like says so something about having to go find yellow fabric that trying to find fabric that matches the yellow undertones of Rachel Berry's skin or something like that. And Kurt and Blaine are just like, I don't know what her problem is. Well, but
0: no, they don't even say that. They do offer like they're they're not really like super sympathetic, but Kurt does offer her to come with them to get a soft pretzel.
1: Mhm. Oh, God, I love a soft pretzel. Yeah. But Tina, I I I don't remember what Tina says, but she leaves them in the $1 massage chairs and
0: She's still texting with Mike on her T-Mobile sidekick.
1: Mm -hmm. And as she's power walking, she trips into a fountain, gets a concussion. Because, like, we see Tina fall into the fountain. We see her head bounce off the bottom of the fountain. Yeah. And then it, like, cuts to black briefly, I think. And then she is pulled out of the water by Kurt and Blaine. And they say, like, Oh my god, are you okay? Oh, like can you hear me? How how many fingers am I holding up? That kind of a thing. And they're calling her Rachel.
0: And as she starts to come to, we see that it's not Kurt and Blaine, but it is Kurt and Blaine, but it's Mark Salling playing Blaine and Corey Monteith playing Kurt.
1: Mhm. And she's like, "Wait, why are you call like why are you calling me Rachel? I'm Tina." And they're like, "No, you're Rachel." And she looks down at herself and she says, Oh my god, I am Rachel Berry. Because it's a body swap!
0: Body Part swapping, body swapping, body swapping. Also, when this ep- ap- shortly after this episode came out, uh, there was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was a fake script, but a lot of people wanted it to be real because there was a script of this scene where Tina looks down and says, Oh my god, I'm Rachel Berry. And then the stage direction in the script just said, America shits itself. <laughs> I'm almost certain that was fake, but truly, whenever I think of this episode, I also just think of, ah, uh, yes, and America shits itself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So, Should we set up the swaps now or reveal them as we go? They're,
0: they're kind of just like, there's this brief lineup of swaps, and then the other ones you just have, like see in the background as they pan over to them. So mm-hmm. let's just go in the order that I've got them in my notes. Mhm as mm-hmm. A, like th- we establish this new this strange new world.
1: Mhm. And uh <sighs> are we going to call how are we going to address them are we addressing them by the character they're playing or by the usual role of the actor?
0: I've been calling them the c- character as character that they've been swapped into.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
0: So we 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 go we're back at McKinley. Where Tina mm-hmm. as Rachel has been dried up and Finn as Kurt and Puck as Blaine are, like, ha- like leading her back to the choir room. And they're like, we have to get you back there to, like, help you prepare for your award-winning nationals number. And you need to accompany to Sheets and Things so I could find a great number, too. And Puck as Blaine is like, oh, you just want to go back to Sheets and Things. Or no, it's what? Between the Sheets.
1: Yes, Between the Sheets. The sheets. And
0: things is Bed, Bath, and Beyond. You, you just want to go back to Between the Sheets so you can meet with Chandler. And then they have, like, another little spat about Chandler in the background. I also really appreciate Cory Monteith has this really high curved voice.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> He's so soft spoken. <laughs> it's great.
0: And so they leave Tina as Rachel on her own, and then she's approached by Aria Santana.
1: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: I, I can't remember what aria Santana says because I'm distracted by the long, long ponytail.
1: yeah. There's a behind-the-scenes video that they've released, and which is actually still up on YouTube. Uh, I sent it to you, Tanner.
0: Yes, because it's the most important behind-the-scenes episode, and I've watched this more than the actual episode.
1: Ah, yeah. But, like, they have Kevin in a wig that has a very long brown ponytail at the back, and in the the behind-the-scenes, Naya said that he looks like one of the Avatar people. Yeah!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also, I distinctly remember people saying that they were cowards for not putting Kevin in a skirt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they really should have, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, now, I don't know if it was Kevin's choice or not. I don't know if Kevin was out yet at this point. Mm-hmm. But it would have been, it would have truly completed the illusion if <laughs> if, if Artie was yeah. in a skirt. <laughs> if yeah. Artie is Santana.
1: And they, I think Artie as Santana, is so something to the effect of, something starky to Tina as Rachel. Yes. And then, uh... As after Artie as Santana leaves, then Santana as Artie is wheeled over by-
0: Brittany as Mercedes. By
1: Brittany as Mercedes. (laughs) And it's- uh, I didn't write down their dialogue because everyone's just saying things about like, wow, Rachel Berry is so cool and so special and I want to be like her. I want her support.
0: And we also want to establish that we are the characters that we even swapped into. So naturally mm-hmm. Santana is already is like, I'm disabled and we'll be performing for every disabled kid in
1: the world. Yeah.
0: And then Britney's Mercedes just says praise, because if she said anything more than that, it would probably be a little uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but then we get Mercedes's Britney to come up. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh, and she's like, uh-huh. hey, Rachel, I ha- after rehearsal today, I have to bail Lord Tubbington out of jail. He tried to sell my iPhone for drugs i <laughs> pretty disappointed that amber riley did not get a blonde wig for this the way that uh, heather morris got the black wig yeah why does heather morris get a weave and amber riley doesn't get a weave
1: <laughs> i think amber could pull off being blonde
0: we get goth Leah michelle
1: yeah we cut to rachel as tina
0: and it's like, it's season one Tina, because honestly, when you think about it, Tina and Rachel's, it's Tina and Rachel's fashion sense have kind of become equivalents at this point in the show. So mm-hmm. really, we have Tina as season one Rachel and Rachel as season one Tina, because otherwise you wouldn't be able to tell that they did a body swapping.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they even mentioned that in the in the previously on because like they mentioned how like, oh, Tina went from being goth to being
0: she went from goth to punk to 60s mod.
1: Yes. And it's this is weird because it's a, it's a little bit nice to see Ray to see Leah Michelle playing a character that isn't just herself again. Yeah. <laughs> and Rachel S. Tina says something like, I just really want to do as well as you, Rachel.
0: She will and she asks her for audition pointers. Mm-hmm. Because she wants to audition for Niata next year.
1: Yeah. I know. I think Tina will be successful wherever she goes.
0: Yes. And then we get Will as Sue.
1: Yeah, because we cut into the choir room.
0: Yeah, in the tracksuit, with the fucking chest hair sticking out.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Sue as Will, and you know, like the. It's not a sweater vest, but it is a vest and like the shirt and everything, and they have their hair styled the same way.
0: It is just Jane Lynch as a butch lesbian.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Jane Lynch as herself. <laughs> and they say some. I, I forget what their dialogue is here again, but it's something like. Oh, okay, now we're ready for Rachel to show us all her award winning solo. It's good. I have
0: some of their dialogue written down. Take it away. <laughs> yeah, Will as Sue tells Rachel as Tina that she can hawk her chop suey recipes to Tina as Rachel at, at a later time. And then <laughs> Sue as Will says that's incredibly racist. And then Will as Sue says, I can't be racist. I'm 116th Native American. My Comanche name cheerleads with wolves. And then Quinn, who's playing sugar, howls. <laughs> And then also, yeah. Then they're like, Tina is Rachel, blow us away with your amazing number. And Tina is Rachel's like, I need some days to think it over. Uh, and then we have Kurt as Finn, who's like, Oh, okay, here's here comes Chris Cole playing an outstanding heterosexual. He's like, Hey, can I talk things over with my girl, my my, my fiance? And they <laughs> they go off, and he's like, Rachel, I just want you to know, I don't know why I'm got a southern twang. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, I just want you to know that I'm your fiancé and I love you, and we're going to do amazing at nationals. And afterwards, we're going to make out, because your boobs look bigger today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it's- I think Chris is doing a good job at playing Finn. Um, it's
0: truly disconcerting, but I appreciate it. In the behind-the-scenes, we get Corey explaining how he had to be in charge of Kurt's hair, so because he had to style it just right to get that proper Finn silhouette.
1: And it was so cute because, like, in the behind the scenes, like, we see, like, Corey very carefully, like, styling Chris's hair with one of those, like, styling, styling combs. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, it's very adorable. It's like, look, look at them being, like, brothers in real life. Yeah.
0: And then Tina is Rachel sings Because You Loved Me by Celine Dion and... You, she's, like, clutching at her stomach and her chest because there's just so emotion inside when Rachel sings, <laughs> which is another <laughs> thing Jenna talks about in the behind-the-scenes. Yeah. And as this is happening, we pan through to see all the other body swaps. We see Darren Chris in the bald mohawk, mohawk cap so that he can be Puck, who is just falling asleep. Mm-hmm. Rory is playing Sam. Also looks like he's, he's falling <sighs>
1: Yeah, he's also falling asleep.
0: (laughs) Damien, you know I love you, but please never go blonde. You look so incredibly washed out in that blonde wig. (laughs) (laughs) Mike is playing Joe, so he's got the dreads. Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, I got dreads.
1: (laughs) Mm-hmm. Kind of like playing with the fake dread wig.
0: Yeah. Sam is playing Rory, and he just looks like a normal man. (laughs)
1: Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's like, hey, that's just cord without his hair bleached. (laughs) Yeah. And
0: then... Sugar is playing Quinn, and so she's just, like, very poised and and calm. So she's kind of, like, she's, like, in a season two Quinn kind of way. Yeah. Who else do we have? We, at some point, we do see Joe as Mike. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The only hint we get, because they didn't, like, put him in a wig or anything for his. They just put a hat on him and put all the dreads underneath a hat. Mm -hmm. And then to help clarify that this is Joe playing Mike, after Tina as Rachel finishes the song and everyone gives a standing ovation, Joe as Mike just does a little pop and walk for no reason. (laughs) He just does a little pop and walk.
1: (laughs) And I think Tina does a really, I, I think that Jenna, Jenna being Tina as Rachel does a really good job. With the solo? What do you think, Tanner?
0: I think it is a good cover of the song. I just can't get excited about it because I don't like this song. I think it's a really boring Celine- It is not Celine's best. In my opinion, it's kind of a <laughs> middle-tier Celine Dion song.
1: <laughs> hmm It's still a lot of fun. And, like you said, as Tina, as Rachel finishes singing, everyone is applauding and she's like, My first standing O!
0: Yay!
1: And I'm like, I'm so happy for you, hun."
0: I wish it happened in real life.
1: Yeah, same. God, could you imagine if Jenna Ushkowitz just took over Funny Girl from Leah Michelle?
0: Oh, oh my God, that'd be beautiful. Please, please let that happen. Jenna Ushquitz, he gotta sneak to the funny girl backstage to support Leah Michelle, and then oh my gosh, some showgirls shenanigans happened who could've done this.
1: Oh my god, the trapdoor from Phantom of the Opera suddenly appeared backstage. Whoops. Why did the chandelier fall on top of Leah Michelle? We thought (laughs) he was supposed to have one of those. All this is to say that I I don't wish actual bodily harm on Leah Michelle. I want that kind of Muppets level shenanigans that gets her off stage long enough for Jenna to take over.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, after the commercial break, Tina as re- no, but hang on. Oh, Tina I literally re- have I have mistakes of characters written into my notes. My notes say afterwards Tina thanks Rachel. No, no, Rachel thanks Tina. But it's Tina as Rachel thanking Rachel as Tina for always being on pitch with her oohs and ahs, and how her light sashaying makes her tour de force performances even more spine tingling if that's even possible. I appreciate it. And you. Yeah. <laughs> and then she goes on to say, just because you're a little more in the background this year, don't doubt your talent. Next year is all you. And then Rachel, as Tina, suggests that she go where Madame Thibodeau is and demand another chance. Tina as Rachel is flattered. I can't believe how supportive you are when half the time I can't even be bothered to thank you for your tremendous supporting performances. And then Rachel as Tina says that it's not completely selfish because by helping Rachel, she helps the entire club. And then, and then we'd go bloodoo, 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 and Tina returns to reality. She emerges from the fountain once again. Bl- Blaine and Kurt are once again played by Darren Chris and Chris Colfer. And they're like, oh my gosh, Tina, are you okay? And she just laughs because she's had... I don't know, an out-of-body AU experience.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, not gonna lie, I was kind of bummed.
0: That it didn't last the entire episode?
1: <laughs> yeah, I wanted to have an entire body swap episode.
0: It would have been so good if it was an entire body swap episode, and, like, the, all the plots that continue happened were still there, but they would also lose some emotional depth. Yeah. Who do you think would be body swapped with Beast?
1: Um... How about Emma? Yes. Jamie May's eating a whole rotisserie chicken. Yes. <laughs> Put Dot Marie Jones in a cute little cardigan and dress combo,
0: and 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 a ginger wig.
1: Yes, and a ginger wig.
0: <laughs> I should do a body swapping episode in my fanfic.
1: You should. Maybe should. I'll just go watch the Dino Charge episode where they do a body swap after this, because <laughs> that's good.
0: The one thing about Nickelodeon Power Rangers, they love a body swap. They do. Anyways, so we cut to rehearsal for. What a feeling. The fanfare begins as the sparks start flying. Literally. Yeah, yeah, because they're welding. Mm
1: -hmm. But they've got those grinders.
0: It's bad and it's not good and the timing's off and Sue is pissed. Mike says that he can't see through his helmet. Brittany says she took hers off because sparks are how you get freckles. (laughs) (laughs) Blaine is concerned that what they're doing is too dangerous and Sam is like, yeah, should we not be in some kind of grinding union? And then Mm -hmm. Santana says, wanky.
1: And Will is like, the props are supposed to add to the routine, not be the routine. And then Kurt says, Kurt says, I have an idea. And no way, Kurt says that after Sue is like, well, porcelain, get ready to get ready to put a dress on.
0: Yeah, because maybe basic sheet metal work is just too much for your 12th place choir. Yeah. But yeah, Kurt is like, I have a plan, and we'll find out about this plan in a later scene. Because first we have to address the fact that uh, Beast went back to Cooter two episodes ago. So, mm-hmm. we, we go over to the staff room. Brit- Brittany and Santana and Mercedes are barging into the teacher's lounge. Yeah. Brittany and I are gay and Mercedes is black, so kicking us out would be a hate crime. And then Brittany adds, I'm actually only half gay, but I think trees are born the same way as babies, so kicking me out would be kind of mean. <laughs>
1: By Brittany, confirmed, by Warpan.
0: <laughs> and then they go up to Beast and like, hey, we know you're back with Cooter. We we saw you out on the town with him. Like, what's the deal?
1: Yeah, and he basically tells them, you know, like, like, look, I appreciate that you're concerned, and like, thank you for having my best interests at heart. I just, it's very complicated. And Mercedes is like, he hit you, you stayed. What's complicated about that? And We get a really good scene where it's Cooter yelling at Beast at home while Coach Beast is doing dishes. And like the audio of Cooter yelling kind of like mutes out. And we see that Coach Beast is holding a knife (laughs) in like up out of the dishwasher. And we see him like have the internal struggle across his face. And then he drops the knife back into the dishwater. And we cut back to the. So the uh, student lounge, not the student lounge, the teacher's lounge, excuse me. <laughs> and he's just like, it's just complicated girls. Like, you don't understand.
0: Yeah. But he doesn't insist that Cooter has changed. And Mercedes is like, I don't think anyone could change that fast. Mm-hmm. And then Santana says, "You either way, you need to get out of that house for a little bit. So come chaperone us in Boston. Or wait, mm-hmm. Boston, Chicago.
1: Chicago. Chicago. Boston. Chicago. Chicago. <laughs>
0: Remote, duh bears. Even though that's a
1: Boston accent,
0: <laughs> duh, bears. Anyways, Beast is like, no, I'm not going to come with you to Chicago. You already have two chaperones, and I don't even know if I'm welcome back in the city after body slamming refrigerator Perry in a bar fight.
1: Ah, oh, God, Coach Beast is so cool.
0: <laughs> but they're like, okay, well just we want you to feel safe, so just let us know if you need anything.
1: Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: the kids are good. Yes, and they they put all of the good parts into this arc. <laughs> We, we then go over to the locker room where the club has gathered because I guess the projector's only in the locker room. We can't take it to the choir room? Why? 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 I don't know. I don't, nobody knows. I don't know. They're in the locker room. Maybe like the choir room was getting cleaned or something and they needed to film this scene.
1: <laughs> Maybe the projector they have is stationary in the locker room to go over plays after football games. Maybe. Maybe they only have one projector because it's William McKinley High School, the school built on money laundering.
0: And the wheels are broken, so it has to stay in the locker room. I can accept that Watsonian answer. <laughs> but yeah, so uh Kurt has uh, gotten a tape of the Vocal Adrian rehearsal.
1: I-, I wanna mention that Kurt is dressed as as a little detective. He's got a little deer stalker hat and a big yes, trench coat. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um also sam asks why the tape is in black and white to kurt which kurt responds i worship the arts
1: no he says i worship the artist as in the silent oh. film that came oh, out in that like 2011 makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good movie can confirm
0: okay and it's basically just like look at look at vocal adren and they're all singing and dancing in unison and unique is the pinnacle of everything We see, like, them all doing a tandem somersault where it's like they're grabbing onto each other's shoulders and then somersaulting together. And Will is Mm -hmm. like, watch this closely. It's called the Human Centipede, the newest and hardest show choir dance move ever invented. Incredible. And Blaine in the background is like, that actually doesn't look that hard.
1: Yeah. It'd be hard for Will because he's, you know, over 30 and so his bones are dust. (laughs) Which, mood. Yeah. But as they're reviewing Kurt's espionage footage, because he's stuck into vocal adrenaline to get this.
0: Yeah. Many Bothans died to get us this footage.
1: <laughs> Sue says, it's the unique factor that gives vocal adrenaline its edge. And then Finn is like, isn't Rachel our unique factor?
0: <laughs> nope.
1: <laughs> nope. Not
0: even close. The only way we can win is if we have a man in drag and then Puck Oh, looks pensive.
1: Yeah. And they- Is it Sue? Men, Sue says that Unique is the ultimate prop, and I just wrote down, yikes on bikes.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that's an intended yikes on bikes reaction.
1: Yeah. Also, we forgot to mention it earlier in the scene, but Quinn's back to walking full time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you just, we won't notice because she doesn't really do much in this episode.
1: No. And actually, she you know what? Not. I don't even know
0: if she, I do. we do see her walking in this episode. Like, we see- I'm pretty sure we see her in the rehearsal, but I don't see how much she's moving. And it's entirely possible that she's just spending as much time as she can sitting. Yeah. Because she's sitting in the choir room. If she's in the locker room, she's sitting there. She's sitting on the bus.
1: Huh. Weird.
0: Yeah. So now we go to Tina as Tina, who approaches Rachel as Rachel. (laughs) And Tina's like, Rachel Berry, I've decided that actually you do need to be the best. So it's like, oh my god. So I think Tina- I think this Tina is actually being possessed by the Rachel from the dreamscape. <laughs> and Tina is still trapped in that alternate universe.
1: Because, like, like Rachel is just doing random warm-ups on stage with the piano, and Tina comes in. And Tina, as Tina, is like, Rachel, I had the weirdest dream while I was underwater and had a concussion for five seconds. <laughs> And she kind of, yeah. like, describes the body swap. Dream. I was you
0: and you were me and Kurt was Finn and he wanted to have sex with me as you. <laughs> then Rachel's like, well, that's very disturbing.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, Dina tells Rachel, like, you can't give up on Carmen Thibodeau. I found out that she's going to be teaching a master class at Oberlin College and I'm going to drive you there so that you can go talk to her and never give up.
0: <laughs> yeah, this... We don't need this. I don't... You know what? I'll just get into the, the Tina and Rachel of it all at the end of the episode. Because <laughs> it's better to just look at the whole thing instead of chunking it for this discourse. Um, yeah. But yeah, Rachel apologizes for making Tina feel superfluous. And she assures for her that she will be the female lead next year. And no, wait, please don't start crying because you need to drive. <laughs>
1: It's it's not even that she just that she apologizes for saying Tina was superfluous. She apologizes for saying that Tina was a supernumerary. That's which, what like, she said? That's what she said, according to the subtitles. So I'm assuming that Ian Brennan was just playing Scrabble and someone used supernumerary and he got real mad about it, so he put it in the episode.
0: Or he got all up in that thesaurus.
1: <laughs> Apparently. And I just wrote down I hope Tina leaves Rachel at Oberlin. <laughs> I've
0: abandoned you in the wilderness.
1: And also, the part about Tina is going to be the lead female soloist next year. I do know what the first episode of season four is titled. And I'm concerned. We'll get there. Yeah.
0: So, Sue Sylvester has ordered 18 little people. Yeah. Because props. We're going we're gonna to use them as props. They're props. One for everybody. Which doesn't end up, because I'm pretty sure there's only 16 Glee Club members. Or, like, 24 if you count the- the Trouble tones. Yes. Um, And everyone's concerned, and then, to distract from this, Puck emerges in drag. Really weak drag.
1: Yeah. It's like, this is a thrift store dress and a party city wig. Yes. But-
0: Santana is strangely turned on.
1: She likes blondes. (laughs) It's proven she likes blondes.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And the reason that Puck is in drag is because he is trying to be a team player. He heard Will and Sue talking about, like, how are we going to win? And Sue was like, we have to win by having someone in drag. And he's like, well, I guess that'll be me.
0: Yeah. Also, he says that he wants to be addressed by his stage name Lola. And I don't know if this is a reference to Kinky Boots or Lola by the Kinks.
1: (laughs) That's some fun symmetry.
0: I'm pretty sure Lola from Kinky Boots is based off of Lola from the Kink song.
1: Nice. Anyways, all this
0: is to say that Will finally goes, Sue, this prop madness has gone too far.
1: You know it's bad if Will Schuster says it's gone too far. Yeah. He says, we're just gonna work on choreography for Dashboard. Yeah. And then we just cut to later when Rick the Stick and the hockey goons come up to harass Puck at his locker.
0: Yeah, Puck has untucked at this point, and Rick the stick is like, look at this guy, how the mighty have fallen. He used to be so cool, and now he was finally consumed by the glee disease and came to school in a dress. And Puck is like, I, let's fight. And Rick is like, okay, let's fight, but but we'll fight by the dumpster. I don't want to get in trouble, because unlike you, I have a lot to lose. Oh yeah, because another part of the taunt is that Rick got into Ohio State, and Puck, as far as we're concerned at this point, is going to be held back. Or flunk out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a fight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyways,
0: meanwhile, Tina and Rachel are driving.
1: Well, Tina's driving.
0: (laughs) This is gonna be bad, but it's glee. So can I just say how nice it is that they didn't make any jokes about Tina's driving ability?
1: Yes, it is good. I
0: had an episode of my old fanfic all about Tina getting her driver's license. I don't think I made any jokes about it. My main motivation was I wanted Tina to sing lead and shut up and drive. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh that's fun
0: but yeah so i'm not gonna say hey good job glee on not making any asian driver jokes more like oh thank god glee didn't make any asian driver jokes
1: yeah i'm also glad they didn't make any jokes about like oh don't text and drive we don't want you to end up like quinn <laughs> <laughs> i mean
0: they kind of do because uh tina asked what rachel's plans are and Rachel says the plan is to w- win nationals, come back, graduate, and have a nice little church wedding held by a rabbi, and nobody gets horribly injured again.
1: Yeah. I just wrote down that Tina says that Rachel was born under a blessed gold star.
0: Yeah. Which, like, that's a fair thing to say. But this one is kind of like, because cause Tina asks Rachel if she thinks they really can win, and Rachel's like, I generally don't know. Like, I was so certain the last two years and we've lost completely. So this year I'm just kind of in a haze.
1: Yeah, I feel <laughs> that.
0: And she doesn't want to waste another year of her ingenue eligibility. And this is when Tina's like, you make everything sound so hard. You are so incredibly lucky with everything you've got going for you. And Rachel's counterpoint is that I, that she doesn't see it that way anymore because all the adults in their lives saw things that way too when they were the teen's age. And now look at their lives. Nothing is gone according to plan and they're stuck in jobs that they hate and lives they don't recognize. Woof. Which is, you know what? That's fair. Congrats to Rachel. You're finally having an existential crisis. I wish you had one a few seasons earlier. Maybe you'd be (laughs) a normal person by now. (laughs) I'm an anxious, gifted child. I've had existential crises about things you've never even thought about.
1: (laughs) True. That's mood.
0: Yeah. And Tina, like, the scene ends with Tina saying, at the very least, Rachel, can we sing together before you graduate? And Rachel's like, absolutely. Yeah. Time for violence. Time for teen-on-teen teen violence.
1: Yeah, we we then cut to Rick the Stick and Puck having a fight by the two dumpsters. And there's also, like, they're also blocked in by a school bus and there's, like, a crowd of other teenagers. Someone is recording this on their cell phone. And I didn't write anything down because it's, like, they have, they have a fight. It's not quite a dirty fight, but Puck does lose.
0: <laughs> yeah, Puck gets knocked out and they hoist him into the dumpster and chant loser loser and then he crawls out and he pulls out a switchblade
1: yeah um a puck pulls out a knife and everyone's like oh shit oh shit and thank god at this point coach beast shows up and disperses the fight then is like get out of here like again i didn't write this down because this was a scene that i was actually like watching instead of typing notes (laughs) does does he say anything before we cut to the locker room
0: uh, yeah, no, it's pretty much just Beast grabbing him and dragging him away and breaking up the fight.
1: Mm-hmm. And we, we then cut to the locker room where Coach Beast yells at Puck, like, what? Like, dude, what the fuck? Why do you have, why did you bring a knife? Were you going to use this? And Puck's like, it's rubber, it's a prop from West Side Story. And it's like, but still, this is America and people have gotten shot for less.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And they kind of, they yell at each other like coach beast is like why did you do this like you have a record you could have gone to jail and puck is like because i have because i have nothing i am nothing i'm a lie am a loser and my life sucks and i'm going nowhere and i'm gonna fail out of high school and the scene is just kind of like it's nice because it's good acting on both of their parts
0: yeah it is a really good scene like this scene is why I tend towards being a puck apologist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he starts crying and he like he's apologizing to Beast and she pulls him and he pulls him into a hug. Uh and Beast says, You and me were badasses. Nobody thinks anything hurts us, but it does.
1: Mm-hmm. And they just have a good hug and cry, and I'm very happy for that for both of them. And then we get a gear shift cut. <laughs> <laughs> From a nice moment of emotional clarity to Carmen Thibodeau's masterclass at Oberlin, where an unnamed student sings the song In My Fashion from Kiss Me Kate, which is the taming of the Shrew* musical. Mm -hmm. And it's fine. And uh, she gives them some constructive criticism. (laughs) And then she gets up to leave and then surprise! It's Rachel Berry.
0: Good God, Rachel Berry jump scare.
1: Yeah, (laughs) literally. And Rachel's like, hi, I don't know if you got any of my 14 emails or any of my 14 voicemails or any of the muffin baskets. And Carmen Thibodeau is like, I spend so much of my time deleting your voicemails that I could be spending on other students who are worthy of my time. What makes you think you're entitled to more attention than the other hundreds of people that I see with the same hopes and dreams? Mm Mm-hmm. And then Tina vouches for Rachel. But she starts by saying Rachel Berry is a pain in the ass. Yeah. To ra- in front of Rachel, which yeah. delighted me.
0: But then Tina's like, Rachel Berry can be a pain in the ass because she's exceptional. And for her forgetting her lines is as rare as a Bigfoot sighting. And, like, she doesn't think that Rachel's whole future should be decided just because she had one off day. I think it should. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, well, that little bit I can... I can appreciate, because yes, that's true. Why should one bad day in high school define the entirety of the rest of your career that I can get behind? It's just the fact that it's Tina, of all people, defending Rachel, of all people. Yeah. And then Rachel says to Madame Thibodeau, like, hey, you had an amazing career, but did you get it that way by playing it safe? Please come see us perform. There's nothing I'm more passionate about than this, and I think it sets me apart. And Thibodeau is just like, I think you need to leave.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And, like, as they go to leave, Rachel kind of, like, turns around and comments to Madame Thibodeau, like, didn't you have to audition for Juilliard four times before you got in? And Tina gives her, like, a, hey, that's a zinger eyebrow. And I'm just like, Rachel, you're trying to get into this woman's good graces. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Don't neg the person who is in charge of your collegiate future. Yeah. And then we cut to a really good scene. Yes. It's Coach Beast coming home after a day of work and he walks in and Cooter is there and bought two pizzas, Hawaiian, which is apparently Coach Beast's favorite. And I I was like, this is just like a prop thing that I noticed, but they're they're eating pizza off of paper plates. It's like, does Coach Beast not own like actual dishes or is it that like Cooter broke the other plates and so they have to use paper now?
0: Hmm. Yeah, that that could be an interpretation.
1: Yeah, and Cooter kind of gives like a like a half-assed apology, like, "Oh, I always feel like I'm disappointing you. I've just been under so much stress at work because another recruiter got a got a high school uh, student that I was trying to scout. But now we can celebrate because I got some." I recruited someone good, (laughs) haha, why aren't you saying anything? And Coach Beast is just stonewalling him the whole time.
0: Yep. And then he pulls out the switchblade that he got from Puck and sets it on the table. Cooter's like, are you gonna stab me? And Beast says, not that one, it's a fake. Maybe the big one from the kitchen that I sleep with under my pillow.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and I'm just like, oh my god.
0: (laughs) Beast declares he is out. He's got shame about what happened between them, but he's leaving that and the ring here with Coot.
1: Mm-hmm. And Cooter gets real mad, stands up and throws the pizzas and the boxes off the table. He flips the
0: table. He just fully flips the table. hmm He starts yelling at Beast and is like, I don't understand why you hate me. And then Beast snaps, I don't hate you. That's the awful part. I love you. But what does that say about what I think of me?
1: Mm-hmm. And then Cooter says, who's gonna love you the way I loved you, Shannon? Who's gonna love you now? Me! Yeah! Hell yeah. It's great acting too, especially on Dot Marie Jones' part.
0: Extremely, extremely good. Best, best part.
1: Yeah. And then we get another whiplash cut to Puck doing the wimpiest cover I've ever heard. I kind of like it. <laughs> He's sitting on the stage of the auditorium with his guitar, playing "Mean" by Taylor Swift. Yeah, and maybe it's that he was trying to do a Taylor Swift impression, but I think Puck's singing was not great on this.
0: I really like the song.
1: <laughs> uh, what what I like about it is that Coach Beast comes in and he joins with Puck, taking the low harmony. I think, and Dot okay. Marie Jones does a good job, and she just needs to sing a little bit more forward in her mouth because, like, it's really like in like in the back and she needs to sing forward if that makes sense it's a choir thing <laughs>
0: <sighs> okay but uh, i i still i really like it and i that's okay actually did, i did sing along when i played and yeah. so once the cover is complete puck says that he was trying to think of a song they could do at nationals because he wants to win something at least uh, and mm-hmm. then Beast is like, well, maybe you still got a chance. Because I talked to Mrs. Dusenbury, the, remember, the geography teacher,
1: and mm-hmm.
0: told her what you did. And Puck's like, oh, damn, I didn't know that's what she was into. And Beast's like, no, no, calm the fuck down.
1: He's just like, oh, man, I thought she was into women. And Coach Beast gives him the look like, dude, come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the other L word. <laughs> yes. But no, Beast is like, the fact that you did that for a club show that you cared... And that it's all that most teachers want to see from their students is to know that they care about something. So you get to do a makeover exam after nationals, and Beast is gonna help him through it.
1: Mm-hmm. And Coach Beast tells him, "You are loved, Punkin. You are not alone." Yeah. I was like, "Oh." And then we cut to the sweatshop choir room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So okay. So costume committee sucks. Sugar declares. Yes. Joe says that Quinn was to- told them that they need to pay their dues as newbies and Sugar thinks it's ridiculous that <laughs> Rachel doesn't have to sew her own dress.
1: And it's cuz like it's it's Rory who is sticking himself with the pins and Tina and Joe and Sugar. Apparently Artie is exempt.
0: <laughs> yeah, cuz Artie is not a newbie.
1: But neither is Tina.
0: <laughs> but Tina sucks. <laughs> <sighs>
1: And Tina has this whole speech. Did you did you write it down? If not, I can summarize.
0: Uh, I paraphrased. She says that Rachel's determination is the reason they get to go to the nationals in the first place. Is it? Put in the work, be a team player, and you'll get your solos. And maybe next year it'll be as part of a group that won us nationals.
1: Yeah. And something about how, like, this dress that, I'm, that Tina is working on is actually sugar's. But I'm willing to do it because I want to support my teammates. And she says, It takes a lot of crystals to make something shine. And then we see approving Mike nod from the highway. Not the highway, the hallway. <laughs>
0: he's he's out on the highway.
1: Life is a highway. I want to ride it all night long. <laughs> uh, and then do we see the program?
0: Yeah, we see the set the setless program that Will and Sue are looking over. And so now it's got the Edge of Glory performed by uh so okay, here's the thing. So it says Edge of Glory performed by Santana, Mercedes, Britney, Sugar, Tina, Quinn, and the Troubletones. Then Paradise by the Dashboard Light, performed by... It basically lists all the seniors and Blaine. And then It's All Coming Back to Me, performed by Rachel Berry. Here's the thing. Spoilers for next episode. So yes, Tina and Quinn do get to sing with the Troubletones for Edge of Glory. Mm -hmm. However, that's a last-minute addition that has not yet been established. And the other issue I have is that Mike does not actually get a solo. In Paradise by the Dashboard Light.
1: Oh, no. I have some fun trivia that apparently the set list that they have for this scene, they don't mention Quinn, Joe, Sugar, and Rory.
0: (laughs) Because they don't get solos. Wild. Artie also doesn't get a solo, so he's not mentioned.
1: No, apparently they did. Really? I mean, I'm- I I didn't have time to cross-check this myself. I'm pulling it from the Glee wiki, but they said- the performers for, for Paradise by the Dashboard Light are Finn, Rachel, Puck, Artie, Tina, Mike, Santana, Brittany, Sam, Mercedes, Kurt, Blaine, New Directions.
0: Yeah, Sam and Artie don't get solos in that, unless that's in, like, the full recording. But the full, no, I'm pretty sure they performed the whole song, or at least the entire song that they recorded on, in the show.
1: Maybe they came up with this printout before they finished shooting.
0: <laughs> I think, I think I they know. printed the shoot. I think they printed this off after they finished shooting. <laughs> And just didn't think of the continuity issues.
1: Yeah, that's Glee. Uh, Anyway, as they're looking over the set list, Coach Beast shows up and says, Hi, I'm Coach Beast and I'm auditioning for the part of a chaperone. Yeah. I'll pay my own way and I'll sleep on the bus. And they're like, oh, well, like, we're glad to have you. We'll definitely, like, we can make room. And Sue is like, I booked the maternity suite for myself. And so Will's like, cool, uh, you're going to share a room with Emma and I then. <laughs> and Coach Beast is also carrying like a little suitcase. And Sue says something like, oh, are you like, did you already come here packed? And Coach Beast just says, I left him. And Sue immediately comes around to her desk to give him a big hug. And Will just looks for Klimt.
0: Yay. Yeah. So then we go over to Finn and Rachel at their lockers. Mm-hmm. And Rachel's explaining that if it wasn't for Tina's motivation, Rachel never would have seen Carmen Thibodeau again. And Finn compares Tina to an offensive lineman, which uh, it's a metaphor that Rachel does not understand, but she sure, it was nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Finn's like, Rachel, you really are our unique factor. Uh, but then they look over and they see Sam doing a Christopher Walken impression from Catch Me If You Can.
1: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: And Rachel's like, no, we're all the unique factor. In a sea full of kids, they, we cling to our own kind. We're different. We took the time to reach out and accept one another, and that's what we love about us.
1: Okay, Rachel.
0: Okay, so before before we go into the last scene, I want to talk about the fascist undertones of this episode. Yeah, shoot. Let's hear this <laughs> thesis. This episode is basically a treatise on why it's actually a good thing that Tina was shoved to the back and Rachel, everything revolves around Rachel. Everything is Rachel, yeah. Rachel, Rachel. Rachel is the only person who can win. They, tr- they try... And bring it back now, y'all, with that last line about Rachel saying we're all the unique factor, but it doesn't change the fact that Tina's going around, like, everyone's saying like it's important for Rachel to perform because she's a senior, it's important for Rachel to perform because she didn't get into uh, Nyada the first time, and it's important for Rachel to perform because she is the best. And even Tina buys into this after being possessed by her alternate self. Yeah. And it's like it's like, not only is Rachel amazing and powerful, but Rachel is the only thing that can win them. Because, like, the, the, that... The, Rachel's ending statement is at odds with the rest of the thesis of the episode, because the episode is not saying we, if, if we all work together, we can survive. The thesis is saying if we all work together, Rachel can win. Yeah. We will be united against everyone else in favor of Rachel. Rachel's our sur- Supreme Commander. God Emperor Rachel.
1: Rachel does not need a support or defense squad.
0: Yeah, well, would have been. I don't. I don't know how I would have rewritten the whole road trip situation. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe it would have been better if Tina just went on her own. If they I don't know. if they if they stressed the idea that one bad day, because I do like the I do like Tina saying that Rachel's future shouldn't be decided by one bad day, and I would be a lot more sympathetic to Rachel if Rachel wasn't constantly pestering Carmen Thibodeau, and instead it was Tina. Who took it upon herself to take them there and what they really focused on wasn't rachel is so good but that rachel had one off day and like because i can i'm trying to meet this episode at this level where it's saying rachel needs to deserves another chance and i'm trying to find a way to justify giving her another chance without making tina a bootlicker
1: i i have a suggestion and this is gonna this is gonna pull from my own experiences in high school choir so when I was at high school, I auditioned for the high-level women's a cappella choir. Uh, it was in my, it was at the end of my sophomore year, and I didn't get in. And I had been trying really hard, and like, I was, and I, I, I would say that I still am a good singer, but I also, at the time, I was not doing any kind of, I was practicing, but I wasn't like, doing, like, vocal lessons outside of school. I just had whatever I was learning uh, in class during the day with my teachers, and then I was, you know, practicing outside of school, but I didn't have an extra tutor. And not getting into that acapella choir the first time really hurt. <laughs> and after I had a breakdown about it and talked with my mom, what she suggested that I do was, you know, ask, like, How can I improve? And I went to my choir teacher and I asked her, how can I improve? And she said, you should get some vocal lessons. So I got vocal lessons and I took voice lessons for like, let's call it like six months or something from one teacher. And then I switched to the vocal teacher that everyone else in the choir was getting lessons from. (laughs) Who is a lovely person. It wasn't just the nepotism. But I kept doing voice lessons, and then I got into the choir the next time that I auditioned. And, like, in high school, I was also kind of the person who not swayed in the background as much, but I was definitely a more of a supportive singer. And it's because I'm good at listening and blending to others, and I have a good vocal range, and because most of the solos in uh in classical choral music are given to these sopranos which is a situation that i cannot change (laughs) but i never felt i didn't feel unvalued because i had other ways in which i was able to help my to help my choir and i was recognized and appreciated for those ways in which i helped and the way in which I would personally fix this episode is I would have the car ride to Oberlin be not like a complete dressing down of Rachel Berry, but I would have it be like, you know, like constructive criticism. Like, hey, like, like, look, you are talented. This is in, this is in universe, a proven fact, but you have a big attitude problem. You have bought into your own hype so much that you are unwilling to accept any criticism and or to accept that you or that you just didn't succeed. And like, I, because personally, I think that Rachel Berry going up to Carmen Thibodeau and saying like, hi, like, look, I was under a lot of stress at the audition. I was wondering if you could, if there were any notes that you could give me things that I could work on to improve for the next time that I auditioned for you. Because for me personally, showing that you recognize what's going on and recognizing that you need to change and asking for constructive criticism would go leagues towards making me like Rachel Berry. Yes. But instead it was, you need to have a person of color vouch for you to another person of color. (laughs) Oh, oh no, yeah, that's true. Which is not great.
0: (laughs) So yeah, I, yes, I wholeheartedly approve of that. And even, we could make it even a little bit better if maybe Rachel just, like, writes that all out on a card and sticks it on Carmen's car along with the invitation. Because then it's like, I'm not even bothering you during your masterclass. I'm just like, here is a note. Yeah. Good day.
1: <laughs> I think this is something where it would help to have face-to-face. Because, I don't know, putting a card on your car feels more like a... It's... Look, either Carbon Thibodeau is going to think that it's... Uh, literature from Jehovah's Witnesses or a parking ticket. (laughs) Whereas I I do think she needed to have face-to-face with Carmen Thibodeau. Just to reiterate, like, look, hi, I'm not always a tearful, crying, stressed, egotistical mess. I am here to ask for actual constructive criticism.
0: (laughs) Yes. Okay, I can dig it. The other way I would fix this episode is having Rachel join the costume committee. (laughs)
1: That would have been fun, too.
0: And, like, I know, maybe maybe Tina can have a line. Maybe not so much about how, oh, my God, Rachel is so awesome. But Tina can talk about how, still have the thing about how it takes a lot of crystals to make something shine. And, mm-hmm. like, we're not just doing this for Rachel. We're doing this for each other. Mm-hmm. And, and then we can have Rachel join in and say, Tina's absolutely right. But so is Sugar. And I should be helping out more. We all should. And maybe mm-hmm. maybe this is where Rachel says the unique factor to all of them instead of just to Finn.
1: Yeah. Real quick, I just remember two things. Okay. I I think the kind of vibes that you're suggesting are they remind me of another moment earlier in it was it was last season where for the mashup contest we saw all of the girls preparing their own costumes and having a little sewing bee. Yeah. Which was a lot of fun. Yeah. And the other thing that I just remembered is. They have roller rink uh, real estate hush money to pay for <laughs> costumes. Why are they having to sew costumes when they have April Rhodes' small-time real estate money maybe, to pay? Maybe it's
0: because the National's budget got blown on welding masks and leg warmers, so this time they have to do it from scratch.
1: Maybe. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, let's talk about the last musical number.
0: The last musical number, because I fucking love this musical number. The Overture from Out of Feeling... Flash dance-what-a-feeling begins again. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Rachel is singing on stage. And then Tina comes out and joins her. And they sing as they walk and dance through the halls. And slam Mm -hmm. on the lockers. And mime the water pull. Yeah. And forget everything I said about the the bad parts of this episode before. Because this number... Yes, he's so excited to go to nationals because they are dancing for their lives as they dance through the end. It's, it's clearly like after school hours, like mm-hmm. the school day is ended. We're preparing our road trip and we're dancing to the bus where everyone else is. It's got like Chico- nationals in Chicago, da da da, and everyone's nationals like, are yeah, bust. Nationals are bust. Everyone get on the bus. Both of their boyfriends are there to meet them. Uh
1: huh. Uh huh.
0: Everyone's cheering for them as they get on the bus, and then Will's like, "All right, next stop, Chicago," and they're like, "Yeah." And then they end the episode, and then, broadcast-wise, they go right into the next episode.
1: Yeah, because Nationals aired literally in the next time slot after this. (laughs) I do want to note here, real quick, the bus they are taking to Nationals in Chicago is, like, a yellow school bus, which is notoriously uncomfortable, and also doesn't have any space for luggage.
0: (laughs) It's... don't worry about it. It's
1: And because, like, when I personally went to competitions in competitions that were further away than one zip code like we were taking usually like a like a like a charter bus like if we were going to be out of state for more than a day and a half we were on a charter bus and i was like why why aren't they on a charter bus and then i was like wait how far is it from lima ohio to chicago and apparently apparently it's only four hours.
0: Only four hours.
1: Excluding traffic. So, riding in a school bus would not be completely intolerable, even if I'm assuming they have Emma driving a minivan behind them with everyone's luggage and costume boxes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's probably Beast in his pickup.
1: That's true. Beast with the U-Haul. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's the end of the episode. I have some trivia.
0: Okay, let's do trivia.
1: So, the- we we kind of talked about this before, but- In the behind the scenes for this episode, it's really fun because, like, there's a part where everyone's sitting next to each other who they swapped with. And Chris is like, hi, I'm Finn Hudson. And Corey's like, and I'm Kurt Hull. And Chris just looks at him and, like, slugs him in the arm. (laughs) And apparently Chris Colfer said that the swapped portrayals were really hard to nail down. Because, you know, if you're doing a body swap, the immediate tendency is to play, you know, an even more flanderized version. ...of your friend's character. But I think everyone did a really good job.
0: Also, all the characters are just kind of inherently flanderized, so... Yeah,
1: it is Glee. When Tina was falling into the fountain and getting her concussion into body swap land... ...that shot of her head hitting the fountain... ...was actually Jenna Ushkowitz. (laughs) She did her own stunts. (laughs) (laughs) Although they did also have two stunt doubles... uh, ...who were, I'm assuming, used for the wider shots. Pepe Elena, Elena Yuan and Ming-Chiu, so all of their footage got used. And I was just delighted that Jenna got to do some stunt work. (laughs) Nice. Also, apparently, way back in Season 1, Episode 3, Preggers, Puck said that he could wear a dress dress to school and people would think that it was cool. I don't think that was an intentional callback, but it is something that happened. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, that's all the trivia I got.
0: All right, then let's get into the gold stars. What is your gold star for this episode?
1: Um, I think I'm gonna give my gold star to, I'm gonna give my gold star to Flashdance What a Feeling. Same. Because it's, I I really liked Tina singing Because You Loved Me, and, but I liked the staging more for What a Feeling, so that gives it the edge for me.
0: Nice, nice, nice. I also, I just like What a Feeling more inherently. Mm -hmm. And how about a gold star moment?
1: Um, I'm gonna wuss out and say that my gold star is just everyone's acting in this episode, because there was a lot of good acting. Like, yes, everyone, everyone acting for the body swap, Jenna acting out Tina's Righteous Fury, Dot <laughs> Marie Jones, and Mark's acting with Puck and Beast scenes. So just acting. Acting is great. What about you, Tanner?
0: I think... My gold star will specifically go to the scene with Beast and Cooter.
1: Excellent choice.
0: I just, I mean, we pretty much said everything about it initially. It's just real Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. What was your slushy moment?
1: Tina Cohen Chang, Rachel Berry Apologist.
0: (laughs) Yeah, truly. The fucking brainwashing of Tina Cohen Chang. Yeah. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of undermines what the episode thought it was saying. Yeah. Yeah. This episode thought it was like, finally, Tina gets a chance to shine. And Tina uses all of her chances to shine to say how Rachel actually shines brighter.
1: Yeah. That plot is the flat tire on this episode.
0: It really is. But you know what? We can fix that flat tire. And while I do that, Christina, give us an outro.
1: <laughs> Quick, do like Dad from Christmas Story. See how fast you can change a tire. Ah! <laughs> Loser Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on your podcasting platform of choice, and if we aren't there, let us know and we'll work on getting there. We can be found at LoserLikeMe on Twitter for as long as it still exists, and at LoserLikeMePod at gmail.com. We also have our own Discord server and Tumblr with links in the episode description. Uh, And next
0: time... Uh, We don't have to worry about telling you what happens next time because the bus is ready and we're just going to go for it right now.